Hello, everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I'm Kyle Bolin. <laughs> and I'm Jason Cavallari. And we have a big surprise, because even though it's episode 121 and you're like, but Kyle, that's not a, that's not a special number. Uh, it's, you know, Thanksgiving week, so here's our Thanksgiving gift to you, the listener. Uh, instead of doing a review today, we're going to follow up with our uh, top 10 disappointments in board gaming with our top 10 pleasant surprises in board gaming. So... Our top 10 games that we had uh, maybe the lower end of expectations for or no expectations for that then pleasantly surprised us in, in some way or another. Does that sound yeah. a fair fair description, Jason? Yeah, like getting goosed by your aunt. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Pleasant surprise. Okay. Um <laughs> Well, happy Thanksgiving to you and your aunt. Um, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, she's usually drunk. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start at uh, number 10. So uh, what we're talking about here is like, you know, like what, what games in, in, in the order that we go here, we're going to start with the one that had the, the smallest gulf between what we expected and what we got, the outcome, right? In terms of like, you know, uh, the positive outcome, how well we enjoyed it, what surprised us in terms of like, you know, something new or novel that the game did whatever right mm -hmm. uh so we're gonna start at number 10 uh do you want to start us off on number 10 jason sure since i'm the one that advocated for this to go yeah on this. <laughs> yeah you you fought you were willing to die on this hill for this game so I was. put it on so, there so i feel like this is much more of a personal choice than like a sort of team choice here um <laughs> mostly because kyle doesn't really like this game very much um but i i quite enjoy it i've played it multiple times uh, this is uh, coming in at number 10 is Bunny Kingdom. Um, I truly enjoy this game, even though I went into it. Uh, basically, I think we were walking by the table at Gen Con and we were like, hey, here's a game we can demo. So we just played it and I ended up really liking it. <laughs> uh, I brought it, it home that day. I mean, when it, yeah, you did. I mean, when it was described to me, it was it sounded like the dumbest thing in the world. It was like bunnies building kingdoms castles and for points and area control stuff and 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 this that and the other thing and drafting and who wants but i mean it, it seemed like such a mess and such a stupid concept that i was like there was no possible way that i could like this but it ended up being like really cute and kind of fun um and really easy to teach people um really easy to play uh and just sort of very, very light, very fast, very, uh, very like hearted. Um, and so, you know, it, it's one of those things where like, if I don't know what else to bring to the table with a certain group, I can pretty reliably uh, pull on Bunny Kingdom and, and get that out. Yeah, it has a lot of overlap with like a King Domino mechanically where you're trying to, uh, you know, have a certain amount of territory uh, and, and you multiply the amount that you've got in the end of the game based on like you know some card you've got or whatever that gives you so many points for how much of this particular part of the the map or this type of territory that you have mm -hmm. um and it, it it it's it's fine right like you can teach that to anybody um it's it's not complicated the game is a delightful to look at um it's very vibrant and it's got all these little plastic bunnies you know flooding the board uh <laughs> literally which, i mean there's yeah, everywhere yeah. 
yeah. which that part's great. And and I don't mind playing the game. I, I've said this multiple times that the part that kind of sours the game for me is the end when you have to score it and it gets a little yeah. bit fiddly with like, you know, okay, I've got like six different categories that I've got to score on these scorecards. And it's like, uh, I don't know. Like I just, every time I look at it, I'm like, that would be kind of fun to play with my son, but boy, I sure don't feel like scoring it at the end. Um, yeah. Scoring is pretty cumbersome. Yeah, and so that's that's been for me. It was more. It probably belonged on the other list, but you like it. So <laughs> I do. We'll, I still we'll keep like it, it here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I would, and I do, and I continue to like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I think it's it's got a lot of things going for it. It just it just it just exhausts me at the end. So I just never really want to play it. But okay, uh, all right. All the so... other positive things you said are true. <laughs> All right, so moving on to number nine, this is your personal choice. Yeah, basically. So Aeon's End. Uh, I've talked about this multiple times on the podcast, and for this reason, essentially. Like, it, it was a game that I had looked at maybe, like, uh, a little bit superficially in the past before we had played it our first time playing it at Gen Con and the art kind of didn't impress me all that much. Uh, I had a hard time kind of really wrapping my head around what was special about it as a deck builder, which is, you know, like the main mechanic that you're using in this game. Um, And then we sat down and played it at Gen Con and I still didn't feel like I really had a firm grasp on what made this game special. But then my wife kind of heard me talking about it in sort of like, you know, an uncertain term and sort of like a, this game has potential sort of way. And she bought it for me for Christmas in 2018, I think. And after we got a chance to sort of sit down and play it, I think you like, you, you play something at home and, and, and you tend to have a better experience than you do, you know, like in a crowded loud floor at Gen Con. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that we were able to really sort of like get into it there in a way that allowed me to really appreciate what was there and what made it special in a way that I wasn't expecting. And so for me, Aeon Zen surprised me just in how much I enjoyed it after, you know, after the cursory glances I'd given it and then our very first playthrough of it kind of like left me kind of like scratching my head. Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 second time I played it was like, oh, wow, there's really something here. And from there on, like, we just kept exploring and discovering more and more and, you know, getting obsessed with the game. And, and we ended up buying, like, all the little mini expansions. We got the Legacy game. You know, we've gotten every big box that's come out so far. Um, and it's kind of become one of our staples in our library. So that one was a big surprise to me and my wife uh, how much we enjoyed it and how much we sort of, like, you know, adopted it into our main gaming uh, you know, uh, I don't know, like stable or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't say a whole lot about this game because I've only I played it once at Gen Con, and if I remember right, it was pretty punishing. Yeah, it is. It's 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 a difficult game. It is. It's a difficult co-op. It's a co-op deck building game. Uh, and they they make you use your brain for sure. <laughs> Um, but I like that about it, you know, like I, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's challenging. It's possible to win. Uh, but in, in, in most cases you do have to think a little bit harder than, you know, like say like a game of pandemic or whatever in order to succeed. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, All number right. eight, Jason. Yeah. So number eight is clank a deck building adventure. Um, so when I first experienced, uh, clank, it had come, I think I, we probably mentioned this in the episode we did on, on, on this game, but it came at a time when my experience of deck building games was pretty, uh, soured basically by, uh, playing dominion so much. Um, and, 
so it got to the point where i was pretty much like oh, I, I guess i just don't like deck building games um and then my friend dave introduced me to uh, to clank and i was immediately kind of like Ugh, i don't think i'm gonna like this game because of the deck building um and it turned out that i actually really really enjoyed the game <laughs> um so much so that i then bought my own copy um and have played it several times since um i think the thing that surprised me about it was that the the deck building although it's billed as a deck building adventure like the deck building is just one piece of um, a much larger gaming experience. It's an integral piece and it's an important piece, but it's not the only thing. Um, and which I think is the, the kind of where games like Dominion kind of fall down probably is like the only thing is you're, you're doing is building this deck and cycling through it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in Clank, there's more, you know, yeah, you're building a deck, but there's much more variety in the cards and, and their abilities that you're putting into your deck. And the deck is sort of like a, a conduit basically for you to go in this dungeon crawl on a board. Um, yeah. You know. it, it gave the deck that you're building more meaning than just yeah, Dominion does, right? Thematically. Yep. And so it makes the game really come to life in a way that Dominion never really does because Dominion's just like, you're raw mechanic, the card game. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> Whereas this one was like, yo, you're going to have so much fight on this one so that you can defeat a minion or whatever, and, and so much movement to get from one room to another to another. Um, and, you know, it, it is a race game. We, we talked about it recently with uh, The Hunger, yeah. that you're racing everybody else to get as many sort of points as possible, right? And then also get out of the, the dungeon or the spaceship or whatever, depending on which version of Clank you're playing. Uh, and the deck building is the engine that you're building in order to or the deck building is the method that you do to build the engine that uh, mm-hmm. allows you to do those things. So it just feels like there's much more of a point to it than just a pure deck builder like Dominion. And you're right, like that year, 2018, I think, was the year that I played it at your house. And and it was a surprise to me in the same way that Aeon's End was because both of those games are deck builders and both of them were games that I had relatively low expectations for because we had both kind of burned out on deck building in it as a general mechanic. Um, yeah. But they came out at a time that sort of like uh, refreshed it for us and, and allowed us to see that, yeah, deck building doesn't have to be a mechanic that you're tired of. It can be a mechanic that is part of a greater whole and, you know, like can be an interesting part of that whole. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, and so I, you know, and and I, I was surprised by Clank at the time. Um, I, I'm still really enjoying it, uh, and, and glad that I, you know, it's a good game. Give it a chance. Yeah. I, I didn't have huge expectations for it. I don't think that, you know, I wasn't the one that was advocating for this one to be on the list, but you know, when I played at your house, I was like, wow, that was really, really good. And I was, you know, I guess surprised. I came home and immediately ordered a copy of Clank in space. Uh, (laughs) and that hadn't been on my radar at all up to that point. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Number seven uh, is A Feast for Odin. Afo. 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 <laughs> bringing that back. Uh, <laughs> I forgot all I that. expected to like A Feast for Odin. <laughs> uh, it's by Uwe Rosenberg, who did Agricola, which is a game that we both like quite a bit. Uh, and it looked like it had a lot in common with Agricola. I was a little bit surprised that it was... Um, I think it has worker placement in the same sense that Agricola does, but it has such a wider 
tapestry of choices to choose from when you're doing that and, and there's just such a so many more directions you can go in in a feast for odin i think compared to agricola which is a yeah. pretty tight honed game that that part was unexpected to me i don't mm. know that i would have used the word surprised until today so jason why don't you go into why it's on our <laughs> surprise list um i was thoroughly surprised by this game uh mostly probably because like i i it wasn't a game that i had ever really uh, invested much in time into you know looking into it and seeing what it was about mostly just because I, I it seemed from the a cursory description is something that I really would just wouldn't be interested in um, and then uh, secondly I was surprised because when you made me play it <laughs> it was uh-huh. midnight <laughs> um, at uh, at Gen Con one year and uh you started getting out the game and board after board kept coming out and uh-huh. pieces after pieces and this yeah. this huge selection of various uh worker placement options and i was like i'm never going to understand what any of this is for it's like five dozen options or something i know especially at like at midnight like i'm already uh-huh. tired and this game looks like it's going to take like 6 hours to play and it, it just looked like such a heavy lift for something that I was kind of meh about in the first place. Um, and then we played it, and I I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I, I It sort of strangely energized me for, for being so late at night. Um, I, the variety of actions that you could choose was great. Uh, I liked the way that the tableau building uh, really lended something of, of meaning and value to it. Um, I liked the the different paths that you could have towards mm-hmm. victory. You know, it, it, there were so many different viable strategies um, that it yeah. made me want to play it more just so I could try out different ways to get where I wanted to go. Um, and it's, uh, and it looks pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I mean, Euro art usually tends to get a pretty bad rap, but I kind of like this one. <laughs> yeah, I, it it it's. I think one of the things that maybe is a surprise for this game specifically versus Agricola uh, is that in A Feast for Odin, I feel like every turn feels like a success most of the time, right? Unless you like go yeah. whaling or something, or go raiding and like just completely fail on a die roll. But um, even then, you kind of come back with some consolation prize. So in in a feast for Odin, you kind of feel like you're always getting something done, and and it feels rewarding most of the time throughout the entire game. Uh, which you know, like I that isn't necessarily a surprise, but it's just me talking about what I think is great about it. So yeah, I yeah I I mean, unfortunately, I have not purchased this game so i haven't played it since uh though i still would really like to play more we should um, we should play virtually because i haven't played it in a couple of years now oh i didn't I, know there was a virtual or is it well, on i just GTS? assume there is it's got to be somewhere right <laughs> yeah i would totally play this again i, I yeah. really i was thoroughly surprised by how much i enjoyed this game yep cool all right uh what's number six jason okay number six is endeavor age of sale uh oh oh yo ho yeah <laughs> They're not pirates, they're explorers. There's probably pirates in there somewhere, right? I think I think there's definitely some piracy type stuff in those um oh gosh, what are those extra uh those extra things that we tried using and then we just completely oh, ignored right. them in the last pit and the yeah. last time we played. I figure what they're called, but I know yeah, exactly they're, what they're like about. extra they're like subquests sort of things, right? Kind like of, you, yeah. Yeah, you can put like three of them out per game and then you've got like maybe like a dozen or ten or something to choose from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they've got all kinds of different like yeah. thematic elements that you bring into the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I 
at any rate, uh, we've talked about Endeavor a, c- a couple times recently, um, so I'm not going to go too much into this, but I think the th- thing that was primarily surprising for me uh, about this is that, again, I'm sort of a Eurosceptic most of the time, um, and this seemed like another one of those kind of, you know... It looked uh, very boilerplate, right? Yeah, I, just, you know, lots of chits and cards. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Like. You know, to kind of take your turn, place your dude, do the action, you know, yeah. build an engine, blah, 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 you know, whatever. You know, that kind of same thing that's been rehashed a million times. And here's the thing. If we're being honest, it kind of is that. But it, it is. And it's but strangely, it's kind of rewarding in a way that a lot of others are. Yeah, it's um, and it moves. It, it's fast. It's easy to understand. Um, It feels constantly rewarding. It's so good. <laughs> yeah it's, it is i mean I, it's it's really i mean i asked for it for christmas last year and ended up getting uh-huh. it yeah um you know we've played it a couple times together um and enjoyed yeah. it each time even though the i don't think we've ever actually oh we did play in person this uh, past gen con we did yeah we've, yeah we've played digitally and yeah now in person um it, it, we say that it does all those things that it looks like it looks like you know it does all the boilerplate things action selection you know like building buildings building yep. a tableau yep. you know like like the sort of worker placement elements are out there like kind of you know putting things out on a board for i don't know about area control but like territory kind of. control or something yeah. like that yeah i guess there is like a light element of that it has all of those things mixed in they work really elegantly together um and then in addition to that, I wish we could remember the name of those, like, uh, like they're not endeavors, but that's, like, akin to the sort of yeah. word that they're titled as, right? They're basically, um, like, side quests. Like yeah, they said, are. Right? But, like, they, they just – I'm so anxious and excited to play a game where we really involve those in the game because I feel like that will expand – the way the game feels. I mean, I could see how it would when we were playing it. It's just that we weren't focusing on those things and then we didn't (laughs) unlock them in a way that allowed us to play that way. Right. Right. Um, And then like the game was over. Right. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm sure that they become like far more important in higher player count games. Like even a three player game, I think would probably do it. Uh, But like, I'm just, I want to play more of this game and I can't believe how badly I want to. Yeah. Like, just based on how it looked uh, initially. They're, they're all, like, really, really thematic and sort of... I, I, I This is one of those rare Euros that, like, drips with theme, and the theme is kind of sort of well-integrated. <laughs> is it? I think it is. I, I, I do. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still, like, placing bits of cardboard on a board and mm-hmm. playing some cards and stuff and, and whatever else, but I, I it's sort of one of these things where like you get the feeling that yeah you have to send multiple expeditions to this place in order to sort of colonize mm-hmm. it and yeah uh you know and and pa- passing over the seas is sort of long and and treacherous and um and the forts and territory controlling and uh and warfare between people i mean, it's 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 i'm not going to say it's perfect implementation of theme but it's a lot better than most other euros i think i'll give it to you there right that it for a euro it it does a fairly good job of of implementing the theme and, and um you know conveying the theme through the mechanics and I think the artwork helps too and everything yeah, you know the like artwork you, is really you, good the way that they have you making it, it makes you feel like you're working out of an office right next to a dock you know yeah <laughs> so running running a shipping company or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> which really is kind of one of my ultimate fantasies so to, to run a shipping company yeah, I guess. <laughs> 
good. You can help with the the backlog supplies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Number five is Unmatched. Uh, we've talked about this game quite a few times too. Uh, so Unmatched was originally some Star Wars game in like the early 2000s, like Star Wars. Epic Duels. I just Epic Duels. Up, yeah. yeah, I wanted to say Duel of Fates, but that's the song that everybody likes <laughs> right. or hates. Um, but yeah, it was it was a uh, Epic Duels, and we I have no knowledge of that game other than that it is the thing that Unmatched is based on. Mm-hmm. So when I you know like did a, I think I did a pre-order for one of the two packs of Unmatched is just sort of like this looks like it could be cool I'll get this cheaper version of it just to try it out you know yeah um and then we tried it out at that Gen Con and it was just like whoa what a revelation this is really fun really fast uh uses very simple and and few mechanics that you need to learn or teach but just feels thematically and mechanically like you're getting far more out of it than you would expect mm-hmm. um and every time we've played unmatched whether it was in person or digitally i feel like we've had a great time and it's been like one more yeah one more you know yeah. and so it's it's been this game that we had close to no expectations for uh that has become sort of like a staple for the limited playtime crew you know yeah, um, yeah. like w- when we've got downtime like a 20 minute 30 minute downtime or we're tired and you know like we just want to do something we couldn't get a game working on tabletop simulator but we've still got you know an hour <laughs> to ourselves or whatever hey unmatched yeah unmatched okay yeah so it's just become this game that you know has kind of become a staple for us that we really didn't have any expectations for and you know the reason is that it's just that good you know like it's it, it it's it's a compact uh, relatively rules-like game that packs a major punch when you're actually playing it. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, and I one of the things that sort of really draws me to it is the the sort of variety of the characters that you can use and how their individual yeah. mechanics usually r- really very well illustrate sort of the background of that and the abilities of that that character. In they're more, very clever. I mean. yeah, yeah, it's it's it is very cleverly done. And um, and it's just a, it's a, just a fun game to play that takes you know like h- half an hour and doesn't take a lot of explanation and lets you move minis around a board and <laughs> try and beat your opponent in the face. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's a good thing to pick up for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What's next? Okay, so number four is Tapestry. Uh, oh, oh, this doesn't that have a subtitle like Game of Civilization or something? Does it? I don't know. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Tapestry, Tapestry, a game of civilization, you know? Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this is a game that I think surprised both of us because there was a lot of hate about this game <laughs> when it came out. Um, I guess uh, probably because there was a lot of hype about it and then a lot of people felt it didn't live up to the hype. And yeah, it, it was it was, it was was sort of like the game that you would expect to show up on the disappointments list because people had high expectations because it was coming from Stonemire, who had just had yeah. this like sort of home run with uh, Scythe a year or two earlier. And it looked like it had real similar production value, maybe even like higher production value. Uh, people were really excited about it because the, you know, the, uh, the sales pitch was that it was going to be a civilization building game that you could play in under two hours. Yeah, which is which is a rare thing. People got it in their hands and they were like, this this isn't really a good civilization game. <laughs> right. And on that level, I can see. Yeah, I mean, maybe it isn't, but it's still a pretty fun game. 
<laughs> so that's the thing. Jason and I went into this game hearing all of that negativity, and we'd also heard the message that it's not a great civilization game. So we weren't expecting a civilization game when we played it. Our expectations had already changed. Then we sat down and we played it, and we were delighted. Right. <laughs> and we it's not that we don't see the problems with the game. Like, there are problems with the game. Absolutely. Like, primarily, the, the factions are completely imbalanced. 100%. Yeah. That's <laughs> ridiculous. But if you go into it knowing that, um, then it, it doesn't make it that much of, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make that much of a difference because it's it's just such a, a delightful game to try. It has play. fun mechanics. Like, going up those tracks is one of those games. It's I mean, This seems to be a common element with the games on this list, but it always feels rewarding, right? Yeah. Uh, you're always getting something every turn when you go up one of those tracks, when you're rolling dice and getting resources, you know, when you're when you're putting your buildings out on your little town board and, you know, like possibly filling up a line or a column or over a column uh, or covering something up that gets you something. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just always giving you something back for what you're putting into it. And I think we mentioned on the podcast that we reviewed it on that it's a game that I'm still enjoying even when I'm losing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That happens to us occasionally and it's always a, a nice thing when it does happen. Yeah, and and it's it's absolutely a joy to interact with physically too. You know, like it can't be you can't ignore the fact that Stonemeyer has gotten really into a good habit of making some of the best produced components in the industry, and this is one of those. Oh yeah, those so big it's, chunky buildings. <laughs> yeah, and it's got the nice player boards that like feel all like you know plasticky, like they've been coated in something that's waterproof or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the the all of the different little plastic components are like nice and chunky and colored and you know painted and in the case of the the big buildings and everything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um it's just it's just a joy to interact with i think the mechanics are solid and rewarding and sometimes that's all i want out of a game and this one does it it does it well yeah it does um surprisingly so (laughs) yeah yeah so so there we go tapestry so number I looked up. There is there is not a subtitle for that uh, one. It's I, just tapestry. It really should have been. Yeah. But whatever. Okay. Okay. Number uh, so three. Number three is Marvel United, <laughs> uh, which we reviewed relatively recently. Uh, Marvel United was a Simon game. Uh, I think also from Spin Masters that looked like a cash grab. It looked like a very simple, um, you know, sort of. I don't know. Like, mm, how would you describe the way that it looked mechanically, Jason? Oh, other than simple, I just like, I don't know, like not, it didn't have the sort of like depth of gameplay that I want out of a board game. It looked very casual. It looked very mainstream. It looked very mass market. It looked kind of a little bit like Villainous. Yes. Yes. And Villainous is one of those games that's sort of mass market because it was a kind of like released at Target, I think, before anywhere else. Yeah. And it looked like it was designed with, you know, like maybe people that aren't necessarily board game fans first in mind and this looked a lot like one of those and then what we got was a very challenging cooperative game yeah um that also like looks like it's going to play very similarly from game to game but when you change the villains out that changes the you know the the structure of the game and 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 makes some of the the different mechanics in the game it changes the effects of those mechanics mm-hmm. in some way or another uh and and it becomes a very interesting puzzle that changes from from villain to villain to villain and since they put a ton of villains in this game there's a lot of puzzles <laughs> in there to enjoy so we got a lot more out of Marvel United than we expected going into it um and i kind of sure. fell in love with the game uh not expecting to at all 
Right, it's another one of those games uh, that we were kind of like we were mentioning about with Unmatched, although it's it's much more, uh, much more. I don't want to say involved, but it's uh, it's a lot more puzzly than Unmatched is. Yes, yes. Um, so, but uh, sort of on the same level in terms of like, it's always one of those games where, you know, say we wanted to try something on TTS and it didn't work, and um, we're like, oh well, we could play a game of Marvel United. Like, yeah, we could because it doesn't take that long. The rules aren't that hard, but it's still challenging enough to provide a really satisfactory end. Yeah, yeah. When you succeed at that game, it's very rewarding. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, you feel like you've definitely outsmarted Venom or whoever. And even when we lose, it's usually not like we lose by, like, a ton. It's it's right, always yeah. very close, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's a nail-biter most of the time. Yeah. Uh, I've had a couple games where, like, I don't know, I especially with the new X-Men one, where, like, Sabretooth just jumped on me four turns in a row and just ate my face <laughs> off. Uh, and that doesn't always go real well. And I've had those games end really early because I think the X-Men game is quite a bit more challenging than the original. Um, but if we're just talking Marvel United, then that is the case. It's usually a nail-biter of an ending whether we win or lose. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, it's yeah, it's a good time all around. Yeah, um, and if you go on to X-Men, be careful of Sabretooth. Don't let him near your face. <laughs> I mean, just good rules for life, really. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Don't let Sabretooth near your face. <laughs> <laughs> number two, Jason. Okay, so number two is Wingspan. How um, did we get two Stonemeyer <laughs> games on this list? What in the world? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I, they just pleasantly surprise most of the we time. We just have the lowest of expectations for Stonemeyer, <laughs> but I know, maybe. Does this have something to do with Scythe? <laughs> well for me this one had to do with the fact that I, birds. It's, it's birds birds <laughs> it's yeah. a game about birds yep yep <laughs> i was like this sounds really boring yeah it's, it's a yeah. game it's a kind of a euro game about birds um, i remember i remember messaging you when everybody was going gaga over this game in 2018 or 2019 whatever it was because i was like all i hear about is wingspan on board yeah. game geek this year wingspan 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 and so i said jason do we need to try this wingspan game and i think your response was just like i don't know birds <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I know birds. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was very surprised. I mean, this whatever, man. Yeah, birds. Um, but then I, I think I actually ended up playing it at Dave's house once, and I was like, actually, this game is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's much to my surprise, I was yeah. not bored uh, by a game about birds. Yeah, I, I think. So uh, mechanically, it's great. Like it's, it's a fantastic little engine builder of a game. Um, I think that. If I have a complaint, it's that it is a solitaire game, essentially. You know, there, there's yeah. very little, if any, player interaction between the boards and, and, and the players at the table, uh, which I didn't really realize until I played it at a higher player count game. Playing two-player with my wife, I was just like, this is really fun, right? And she was like, yeah, this is all right. And then, you know, playing solo, <laughs> you don't think about it at all. Right, uh, yeah. Then I played, like, a five-player game one time, and I was like, oh, God, this is terrible. Like, I don't <laughs> like playing this at five players because we're all just sitting here waiting for our turn in silence. Um, yeah. So... I guess in that respect, I, it, it's not that great, but that has nothing to do with the expectations that I had. The expectations were that this is a theme that I find like not interesting at all. Mm-hmm. And then not only did the game succeed mechanically at being very interesting at a lower player count, like two player count, single player count, uh, but also I realized when I was playing it that I really liked the art. 
and I really liked a lot of the birds, and I got excited about a lot of the birds in the deck. It's like, I've got this cool eagle now. Wow, I'm really happy that this eagle is in my uh, sanctuary rather than your sanctuary, you know, or, you know, I got the puffin this time. That's really fun. Puffins are weird and cool, right? And so, you know, I'm just used to thinking about all the stupid birds outside my house that tear the house up that, you know, like, wake me up in the morning or whatever, and, like, I don't yeah, like those birds. poop on everything. Yeah, they're gross. But, you know, when you see, like, you know, a bald eagle, you're like, holy crap, that's a bald eagle. That thing's amazing. <laughs> um, and there's lots of cool birds like that represented in this game. So, you know, I, I, you hear birds and we're just like, we're not bird people. But it turns out for certain birds, I'm a bird person. <laughs> yeah, it has to be a very special bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think even for the birds that are, like, you know, less... You know, like the the less high profile birds, you know, like the, I was still impressed with how gorgeous they looked with the, the quality yeah, of the artwork. The art is really great. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so that was a huge shock to me was how much I appreciated all of that. Yeah. I, same here. I mean, I, I think the the thing I mean, I'm still not terribly interested in birds, although the art is fantastic. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's mechanically interesting enough that it's, it's a good game. Um, despite the fact that the theme for me is, is pretty lackluster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and pretty thematic, uh, I'd say, you know, having to maintain, uh, or take note of like different habitats and how, you know, how you can place the birds in appropriate places and the different, uh, nesting types and the eggs and all that kind of like, it's. It's a nice little kind of cycle of life. I like of a flexible bird, a bird that doesn't care where you put it. <laughs> I like a bird that just says, I just want to be with you, Kyle. I don't care where you put me. Oh, you little bird friend. Yeah. Aren't uh, birds like that usually like parasites? <laughs> like they steal other birds' nests? There are birds that do that, I yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah, or like, yeah, um, they definitely do that. All right. Moving on. Okay, dear listener, if you've been listening to our podcast for the last few years, uh, you may be able to predict our most surprising game uh, of all time. At number one, we have Laser Riders. Pew, 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 pew. Um, so we raved about this on the podcast where we first talked about it. I believe it was a Gen Con episode yeah. I don't know, three years ago or something like that. Uh, because this didn't look like a game that no. was much of a game at all. No. Um, it was a game <laughs> that I purchased because it came in a literally shiny box that looked like a, like a, a VHS, VHS cassette, yeah. uh, like, like, <laughs> like box set and had all like, like this sort of like, um, 1980s Saturday morning cartoon, you know, uh, like Starhawk sort of like aesthetic <laughs> to it with like these like sort of like holographic foil decals on it. It had been like, you know, like, uh, you know, it, it was made the artistically made to look like it had already been like aged and, you know, worn and everything. And I was just like, man, aesthetically, I just want this on a shelf. Right. <laughs> and that is why I bought it because it looked amazing and I got it at a discount. Then we played it and it was like, holy cow, this game is a blast. <laughs> like, I didn't even have any interest in playing the game when I bought it. It was just like, well, we might as well try it out. We've got the game, you know? Sure. Um, so it was purchased for the its looks alone. <laughs> and then we played it and we were like, whoa, wait, what is going on here? This is like tight and exciting. And I'm just killed myself by like, you know, like going, putting the pedal to the metal and flying all the way across the galaxy and apparently into a wall. Um <laughs> All those walls in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but we expected 
literally nothing out of this game. Like, we expected this to be, like, a game that you might throw in the trash after you played it or something like that. And yeah. instead, it has become one of our staples. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed like such a low-production, stupid game <laughs> that I we, expectations were literally zero. And maybe that's why it's so surprising that we, like, liked it. Because we were like, what you know, whatever. Uh, we'll play it once and probably never play it again. Um, but it just turned out to be so... It, it, okay, it is a stupid game and it's really ridiculous. But those are the things that make it fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's... It- it, it's it's making you do stupid things right you're trying to like you're trying to race through these gates and you do it by taking these like cardboard links of like these links of cardboard that are either straight or curved and there's two different types of curves on them and when you you know use a curve you've got to if you're going too fast you may not be able to make that curve you're going to wipe out or whatever mm-hmm. you know um and and that all seems like such a simple thing but when you're not allowed to line it up or like measure or anything like that and you just kind of got to use your best guess at like which length to use in order to be the guy that gets to that gate before the person across the table does yep um and then in addition to that you've just got like you know you've got like some some variable player powers that they throw in there for a little bit of flavor um there's the whole thing where like when you when you have to put your your guy back on the the table <laughs> you've got to like step back and close your eyes and toss your little like start your start hex or whatever it is right, like yeah. onto the table <laughs> like there's just so many goofy things going on here that amount to just a riot of a time that even for us who like you know we go to Gen Con hoping to find like some you know like really interesting sort of like I don't know like mechanics heavy games you know like a too many bones or you know uh I don't know like like even Endeavor right I mean like it's yeah, not that yeah. heavy but you know we look at that and it's like okay this this looks like kind of our weight or whatever you know um this seemed way too casual but it turned out to be something that we fell in love with immediately and have come back to time and time again <laughs> yeah. And also just love the aesthetic of still like, like, you know, that aesthetic that drew me to it has not grown old. <laughs> um, it's, it's exactly the right, like injection of nostalgia that I need as a child that grew up in the eighties and early nineties. Yeah, for sure. I, it certainly scratches that itch. I mean, it just looking at the box makes me think about like all those VHS tips in my dad's it basement. It brings me joy just to yeah. look at that box still. And it's been years, years yeah. and years. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, no, it's it, it just it perfectly scratches that itch of like I want a fun stupid game. They've but- got a soundtrack that you can stream from YouTube or whatever, <laughs> um, and it's also perfect for what it is. Like they know exactly what it is. Like it sounds exactly like you know like a, an early or mid mid to late eighties nineteen eighties uh, Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, theme song you know like mm-hmm. all of the music sounds like something like that you know it sounds like the sister show to starhawks which i guess was thundercats but you know what i mean right right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh so that is our number one most surprising game laser riders yeah definitely uh and if you haven't tried it you, you really should you'll probably be very surprised i mean well. i i just i i want that team to you know like I just wish that I don't think that 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 game set the world on fire or anything. So it's sort of like our little pet uh, in a way. Yeah, you know? that's true. Uh, but you know, it, it would it would bring me pleasure to know that more people have brought it into their household and adopted it. So. <laughs> Give it a loving home. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, just I know I'm belaboring the point here, but you could play it with anybody. It's one of these games where, like, you could teach it to an eight-year-old, and they could play it, and they'd be like, yeah, Laser Riders, let's play Laser Riders. (laughs) And you'll be like a 40-year-old man going, yeah, let's play Laser Riders. (laughs) Always. I will always be that guy. I'll be, like, 50, 60 years. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Why haven't I played Laser Riders with my my six-year-old yet? This is just nuts, isn't it? I need to do that. (laughs) Yikes. 
All right. Okay. Well, that's going to be an episode, everybody. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, if you are traveling for Thanksgiving, hopefully I get this out before Thanksgiving. That's tomorrow. So <laughs> uh, I guess I know what I'm doing tonight. Um, uh, safe travels and uh, don't eat too much, I guess, uh, or eat <laughs> more than you should. I don't know. Whatever. So you do you. <laughs> yeah. YOLO. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, if people would like to get a hold of us and let us know, um, I don't know, that they bought laser riders and that we should feel very pleased that it's been adopted into a new, safe, loving home, how would they do so, Jason? All right. Well, if you want to tell us that you've given laser riders a forever home, you can email us. It's podcast at limitedplaytime.com. You can tweet us at limitedplaytime or go to Instagram at limitedplaytimepodcast. Oh, and I forgot. You can also go to the website, limitedplaytime.com. <laughs> yeah, we got a website. We, and we have had it forever. So please use it. Um, I pay money for that every year. So <laughs> I feel good to know that it's going to get used. Right, yeah. Uh, message us there we've got a we've got comments on all of the different episodes you can you can leave us a comment if you want oh um, we have comments i didn't know that we do yeah that's i get them sometimes oh. uh, very occasionally <laughs> uh anyway uh we'll be back in two weeks probably with just a review we've still got several games that we haven't touched on that we played during the gen con mm-hmm. like you know a year ago or whenever that was <laughs> uh, like it. yeah uh so look forward to that in two weeks thanks for listening and we'll see you then later Bye.